It's time for the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. Let's mix it up with a breakdown of some local, regional, and national sports with Nick Verzellini and Colin McLaughlin. Good afternoon. It's Thursday here in the Eastern Panhandle on the September 21st. Nick Verzellini, Colin McLaughlin, happy to have you with us on the Sports Mix. As we get into our first segment today, we're going to talk a little bit of high school volleyball here momentarily. Then we'll be joined by head coach Matt Faircloth of the Hedgesville Eagles as they prepare for Washington this week. We'll get into some of the big NFL topics, including previewing tonight's Thursday night football game between the San Francisco 49ers and New York Giants. And we will talk college football as well. Alabama slipping up. Are they done? One of us thinks potentially, so stay tuned for that on the other side or later on in the show. And then uh, we'll talk baseball. Colin, how are you doing today? Doing all right. Hope you are doing the same as this segment brought great. to you by Brown Funeral Home and Cremations, Robert Fields and Sons, family owned full service funeral home that has proudly served our area since 1880. You had cake, so of course you're doing great. I didn't have cake yet. You did not have the cake yet? No. I told you to get the cake. I was trying to figure out a way to eat the cake in terms of, I don't know where our plates went. So I was like, I guess I could. You can't just have the cake and eat it too. Isn't that how the saying goes? Which doesn't yeah. make any sense, I guess. If you have cake, eat it. I don't know. I think it's. I think we ran out of the paper plates. Yeah, that seems to be the case. Because everybody else had cake. So. Yeah, I, I mean, everybody else just gets cake and I don't get cake. I mean, there's still the non-paper plates. There's the. That's true. Yeah. I could you just have to wash it. Yeah, that is the issue with the non-paper plate. They both have their positives and negatives. That's true. The paper plate, you can use it, but only really once or twice, or like in a How many other pieces sessions. of cake you want. Yeah. And then you have to throw it away, but you don't have to wash it. Of course, with the regular old plate, you have to wash that, so... It is what it is, I guess. I'll just have to wash a plate, I suppose, exactly. if I want cake, or I if just want have cake. my cake and not yeah, eat it, Yeah, don't leave it in the sink, please. If you use the plate, wash it. Of course. Who do you think I am? A slob? I don't know. Well, we'll have I haven't been to your see. house to see. Not recently, no. So. Anyway, moving on. Uh, high school volleyball tonight in the Eastern Panhandle. We have Hedgesville taking on Jefferson. First time, Colin, we get to see this Jefferson team this season. And I know they have a new coach. Um, They got off to a little bit of a tough start, but they're playing a little bit better and have gotten close to 500 at this point. So it should be an interesting matchup. Hedgesville, of course, has struggled recently. They played in some tough tournaments, it looks like. So not really playing their best volleyball right now but still a great program and a great team i think but uh they had an injury early in the season so we'll see where they go but i think it it's a game where heading into it you definitely again similar to our game earlier this week you give hedgesville the advantage but you never know it's epac volleyball and if jefferson comes to play and, and plays a really good match especially early uh they could make it competitive tonight yeah, the only thing that we were saying, and we said it on Tuesday because we were looking ahead to this game tonight, you've already had back-to-back matches if you are Jefferson as you played Washington yesterday. I can't find the 
reported final score yet on that one. And then on Tuesday, you swept Hampshire in three sets. So you're most likely on a win streak. Not sure how yesterday's match against Washington went. I'm currently on Jefferson's max preps, and I don't see a final score reported. So right now, as of that, they are 8-9. But with those back-to-back matches, you expect... How fatigued are they is the question that has to be the first question on your mind going up against Hedgesville, a team that has a lot of talent, but as you said, kind of a little struggle here recently after a very tough tournament, it looks like, on Saturday in which they unfortunately lost all four matches that they had there to good teams out of the area, out of Virginia Beach, Roanoke, Virginia, Washington, D.C., and Yorktown, Virginia. So talented teams, but you've been able to rest if you're Hedgesville and now focus back on EPAC play for at least a match before another tournament, it looks like, or just match Saturday against Forest Park before you get Muscleman Tuesday. So if you're able to regroup, get things put back together and in place and be that dominant team against Jefferson. Yeah, and I think um, from the Hedgesville perspective, when you've had a successful program over the years, and especially in volleyball where everybody makes the playoffs in the state of West Virginia, you can afford some losses in your non-conference schedule. You can afford to challenge yourself against some top-level competition. And if you do fall in those matches, it doesn't really hurt you any. So... I think from Hedgesville perspective, from the Hedgesville perspective, they probably got better over the weekend, even if they didn't win, and uh, will now get ready for Jefferson this week. And they hope that when they come back to the Eastern Panhandle, it's not as tough of competition as what they may be seeing in some of these tournaments. I feel like that's probably the mindset for teams like Musselman and Hedgesville because they've had these dominant programs over the years. But let's go ahead and hear. Unless you had anything else, to say I was about just the about to add. Call. If you, you look at match history for this it's kind of like what we talked about between Musselman and Martinsburg going all the way back for the 44 matches that you can find on max preps between Hedgesville and Jefferson Hedgesville is 44 and out they've won 44 straight matches against Jefferson the last time Jefferson took a set from Hedgesville September 8th 2016 so it's yeah, it's pretty much the same match that we had on mm-hmm. Tuesday. I mean, it seems like maybe Martinsburg's a little bit further with their program since Coach Nelson's been there for a bit. Um, Jefferson has a new coach, so it might take them a little bit to start to build closer toward these teams. But even with Martinsburg being in the third year, I don't know. Coach, Jefferson swept Martinsburg earlier this year. Yeah, so who knows? I mean, Jefferson could be better. The EPAC is is tough to tell, especially when you get below Musselman and Hedgesville it's really pretty even and any of those teams uh, can knock each other off from time to time because as we saw Martinsburg beat Spring Mills in five so it's it's definitely a uh, competitive conference and it's a good conference and I think even with these top teams you still don't know what to expect because every once in a while one of these teams can show you know some good things or maybe they just come out flat volleyball is a game where if you make a mistake not only do you hurt your or not only is it you know a mistake but it also is an automatic point usually and it's such a right key just thing. want to mention this is also the second meeting this season 
between right. the two. It yeah, was a sweep last one time. By three, or one and three. Yeah. So. The first set was competitive, it looks like, 25-20, but the other two were 25-10. Yeah. I mean, so. you're at home for this one, so hopefully you can get a good crowd behind you And if you're Jefferson. And uh, anytime, you know, you're traveling a little bit in Hedgesville, so you never know. Come off the bus, don't play your best. You never know, but what could happen tonight. So definitely tune in. Should be fun. Uh, and always get to support these girls in their sports. So uh, let's hear from Hedgesville head football coach Matt Faircloth as his team coming off of a loss to Herbert Hoover, but a big match up this week with the Washington Patriots. We're now joined on the sports mix by the head coach of the Hedgesville Eagles, Matt Faircloth. Coach Faircloth, your team, a tough road trip last week. You mentioned that some guys most likely were going to be injured and might not have played. It was a tough loss, 41-15. to 15. Uh, Just give us a recap of that situation and what were your takeaways from that game? Well, I mean, we were a long road trip for one. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, I thought we got off the bus better than we did in Wheeling Park. Uh you know, we had a game plan of, you know, get pressure on the quarterback, make him move around a lot, which we did. Um, you know, when, you know, we got him in third and eight plus 22 times. Um, you know, and, and when you get him in third and eight, third and long, and you're giving up, you know, 12, 13 yard plays when you got him running around, you know, it was just we couldn't cover on the back end. Uh, our line, our backers played really, really well. Um, it was just some key mistakes on the back end of letting guys get loose while we were running after him. Uh, and then we get into, you know, we had him four times on fourth down. Um, we stopped him once, and then two other times they scored on a fourth and 19 and a fourth and 13. It's, it's we, we shot ourselves in the foot by not, you know, keeping our eyes out of the backfield in the secondary. Uh, offensively, we ran the ball really well. Uh, they had great size. They're very disciplined. They're a really good football team. Um, takeaways from it is, you know, if, if we do the little things, I think that's a different game. And, Coach, as you mentioned to us heading into the game, you had some injuries. Uh, what are those guys' status this week, and how many of them were able to play in the game against Hoover? Uh, you know, we, we missed three guys at, at Hoover. Uh, we had some more get banged up on Friday night. Uh you know, right now we're we're taking it day by day, but uh, I think at least two two of them will be back, and we're probably going to be down uh, probably three. This week, you guys take on the Washington Patriots, a team also sitting at two and two. Has the new style spread offense that they've switched over to under Coach Ray? What have you seen from the Patriots so far this year in the film that you've got to see on them? I mean, they're you know they've got really good size up front, really really strong, really big guys. Uh, and they got some some young youth skill guys that are really, really talented. Uh, quarterback's young, but he gets the ball out quick. Uh, running backs run hard. They got a big running back that runs really hard. And defensively, they bring a lot of pressure and, and, and they try to get after you. So for us, I mean, it's, you know, it's a, it's an impact game, and, and we know what we're we're going to see. They're going to they're going to bring pressure and play a lot of man behind it, and you know they're going to come after. It and we got to we got to be able to execute. Coach, as we talked about before uh, with Washington, it was the opener is a big game early in the season. Still, obviously, you know, first EPAC games are still a big game, um, and 
I would say the most competitive rival in some ways in the EPAC for you at times. I mean, obviously there's other teams, but just historically it's been a really good matchup for both teams. Um, what does that do for you? And, and how do you guys kind of view this game in terms of the rivalry? I mean, for us, the, the rest of the way, it's like we told the guys Friday night uh, from here on out. I mean, we're, we're playing, we're playing playoff games. Uh, you know, every game from here on out really, really matters. And we got to go out and we got to execute and we got to win. Um, but the, the Washington rivalry, I mean, we've, we've, we've battled, we've had really good games over the last, you know, seven, eight years. And, it's it's become that game that you know that you mark on the calendar because for a long time they were they were game one and it was on Thursday night and you know we were the main attraction but now you know you know they got a couple wins and you know here we are setting setting with two wins and it's going to it's it's whoever wins is going to take a jump in the standings. What's your team need to do to be the ones that get the win? Do the little things right. Uh, I mean, we, we talk about it all the time, playing alignment assignment. And, you know, when we play alignment assignment football, we're we're not bad. Uh, but the moment that we line up right, but then all of a sudden we get our eyes in the backfield and, and we give up a big pass play, I mean, it just it does does nothing good for us. Uh, we got to get the ball to our athletes in space on the offensive side. Uh, and, and we, we got to go play football and stop worrying about all the outside noise. Coach, before we let you go, I wanted to see if uh, you have any update potentially on the field surface at Moomaw Stadium. Uh, I mean, right now it's, uh, you know, Moomaw Stadium is shut down. Uh, all JV and freshman games have been moved uh, to away games. Uh, we're still working on some uh, key dates of where we can match stuff up and be able to play. That should be coming out within the next couple of days of finally finalizing where we're going to be playing. Alrighty, Coach. Thank you. Any final thoughts for us? No, fellas. I appreciate it. I appreciate the time and good luck on Friday. Thank you. That was head coach of the Hedgesville Eagles football team, Matt Faircloth, as this segment brought to you by Parsons Ford at 1400 Shepherdstown Road and online at ParsonsFord.com. We became number one by making you number one first. Parsons back for more of the sports mix after this two-minute break on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. Now, back to the sports mix on Talk Radio WRNR 106.5 FM, AM 740, and TV 10. We welcome you back on today's edition of the sports mix. Nick Verzellini, Colin McLaughlin, happy to have you with us as we head into another segment of the show today Colin let's talk NFL as uh, big news out of the NFL the Minnesota Vikings have acquired former Los Angeles Rams running back Cam Akers in a trade and an interesting move here Um, you know Akers has struggled with the Rams it seems like they were trying to get rid of him for several seasons now and uh They've now made him their number one, or they've now traded him to the Rams, and it looks like the Rams could be, I'm sorry, to the Vikings. 
And the Vikings, you know, could be making him their number one running back with the struggles of Madison in the backfield. It's a uh, interesting move because they seem to be committed to Madison. Now they're trading for a new running back. I don't know how much better Acres makes them, but I think there is potential there. He's shown some flashes, but he's also had some fumbling issues over the years. So I think it's worth the risk if you're Minnesota and you're trying to get an upgrade in your running game. Your running game has been really bad through the first two weeks. I don't know if all that's on Madison or the injuries they've had up front. Probably a combination of both. So, so I, uh, I think it's kind of a low-risk move for them, and we'll see how it works out. To me, the Minnesota make absolutely zero sense with their recent moves in the running back position. You had Dalvin Cook. Yeah. A guy that is a stud. He's fine. He's talented. He was your running back number one. And you let him go because you thought Madison was going to do fine for some reason. Not sure why. And he stinks. Flat out stinks. Plain and simple. I mean, you can't sugarcoat anything. He has not looked good the first two weeks. They realize it. Everybody realizes it. And it's caused Cook to smile ear to ear. Like, you miss me yet, Minnesota? Clearly they do. He hasn't really Which is why they go out and get Cam Akers, who is nowhere close to Cook, though. No. But what else were you going to do? Because you weren't going to trade for Jonathan Taylor. He wants a new contract. And the reason why you got rid of Cook is because you don't want to pay him anymore. So... Out of the running backs that were available, you get a young back in Cam Akers that maybe a change of scenery is what he needed. Maybe this will elevate him to a new level. Um, And it's a good offense to be a part of, even though their offensive line has had their issues staying healthy. If they can get healthy, they added uh, Donovan Riser or Dalton Riser uh, this week, who used to play for the Broncos at guard. So maybe that's a move that can help them out up front um one of the top free agents still available obviously at this point you know how many good free agents are really out there but it is a guy with some nfl playing experience so while the vikings aren't in a great position i think they could be slightly better with this move but overall their schedule's pretty tough they got the chargers this week they still gotta play kansas city i think so it's a tough stretch coming up for them and it's a tough division in terms of all the teams are pretty equal. Not necessarily great teams, but none of them are necessarily terrible either. And speaking of one of those teams, the Chicago Bears, things are looking good for Tyson Bajant right now. Yeah, things are. A lot of people are starting to kind of believe that you might see him as quarterback one sooner, if not later. It's definitely sooner become than sooner than later. Yeah, I don't know. But it's become a weird situation, it seems like. Right now in Chicago, a lot of tension within the coaching staff. And now it comes out that uh, Hertz has said that he feels like it, he's been playing kind of robotic the past two weeks for some reason and he blames the coaching fields yeah i don't know why i said hurts my apologies there but yeah fields not hurts my apologies but he says he's been overthinking which i guess i was just doing right now maybe i'm turning into justin fields who knows could be i i mean i hope you don't 
turn into Justin Fields. That would be quite a transition. But th- th- this is not what you want at all in Chicago if you're getting ready to take on the defending Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. Your quarterback's <laughs> frustrated because he's not good, and he's trying to put the blame on the coaches because that's what you typically see bad quarterbacks do. Yeah, I, I mean, like. it's not a great look for him because um, anytime you're blaming others as a quarterback or in any position of power, uh, it's not a great move. And for the quarterback of the football team to be blaming the coaches, that shows a lack of faith in the people, obviously, leading the team. And it's just not happening it on a similar situation, right? I mean, if you saw... Uh, the Kirk Cousins interview after the Vikings lost to the Eagles. They asked him about the Jefferson play, and he said, well, maybe I should have thrown a better pass. So then he didn't feel like he had to stretch out. Yeah. Because if I let him in stride, he's scoring easily. But since I underthrew it, he had to, you know, make that attempt at the end zone. And he owns up to it, and it wasn't even really a play that involved him that much besides he made the throw. Like, could Kirk really have done anything better on that one? I mean, yeah, but... It wasn't his fault that Jefferson fumbled the ball. Right. You take ownership, though. But he's if taking you're ownership. The face for it. of the team, which most quarterbacks are, you take ownership. So. Field should have took ownership here. He's not. And it's really, in my mind, starting to feel like possibly the end of the Fields era because you're on a 12 game losing streak in Chicago right now. He does not look like the guy that people thought he was going to be here in year three. Yeah. A lot of people were comparing him to Hertz. I think people that he was going to have an MVP season, and he's not even close to it right now. Yeah, I don't know how many people necessarily thought MVP, but I did think the Bears would be much better than they were. I had them as a playoff team. That does not look like a good bet right now. Um, This was a team that I think the reason why you bought into that maybe is because of how good Fields was in terms of fantasy. He was an amazing fantasy quarterback, and I think people... Now, sometimes you look at the numbers and it's like, well, he's running a lot, uh, getting all these yards, you know, he's scoring touchdowns. He's having these moments where he looks really good. They got him weapons now. It's like, this is going to be his year. And even with the addition of DJ Moore and Claypool last year, who may not be as good as people maybe thought he was after his rookie season, but either way, it's an upgrade to what they had. And then they have Darnell Moody as well, who's a solid receiver. But it's like this team hasn't made any progression. Justin Fields hasn't improved as a passer. Some of it may be on the coaching. But from his perspective, he can't blame the coaching. So it's just a bad look. For Tyson, I think things are opening up for him to potentially have an opportunity here in the next few weeks. If this team continues to lose, Justin Fields continues to not take responsibility and even if he does start taking responsibility this could open up the window by week five or six and i guess week five is that Washington i've been saying game. week five we're gonna see tyson get the start where if and this team's oh and four why not and five and four why not give them the start i mean and and they're continuing to look bad offensively let's say they lose the next two right. games but they look really good on offense and it's because of the defense but i don't see that happening well, so i think doesn't have a defensive coordinator right now yeah he left due to health issues uh coach allen williams leaves so this team's not in a great place it may be a tough situation though for tyson to take over in it's not ideal 
Um, but but is, is there ever now. and is there ever besides you know the 49ers situation? Is there ever a ideal situation for a guy that went undrafted, even though no. Purdy was drafted in the last pick, but to come in and, and start, especially for most rookies, it's not an ideal situation. So I think he can step in and potentially here if this team continues to struggle. I don't see any reason that they would go to anybody else. And if Fields continues to prove he's not the guy, why waste the rest of the season figuring out if he can get better when you can go to Tyson? So it might happen. I'm telling you, we see him week five against the Commanders. That'd be interesting. Continue to call it. That'd be great for the people that are heading down there. That's for that true. Game. I mean, it does help too because we we said at the start when we saw that it's cool that they're doing that. But at that time, he was QB three again because the Bears signed Peterman. Yeah, there's a chance he wasn't even going to be active for the game. Well, now he's active because it came out yesterday after the show that they have cut Peterman again. Right. So it's just Fields and tyson now in the quarterback room for which chicago tells me that tyson's progressing maybe quicker than they thought he would because it's a good sign yeah because if they didn't feel confident i think at the time maybe at the beginning of the season they were like eh, if there's an injury we'd probably rather have peterman in there but maybe long term we would go tyson and now it's like if justin goes down we're fine going with the Tyson and have no questions about it. So it's a really good sign, I think, for his progression and what he's done. So I'm definitely excited about it. Um, obviously, we're not rooting for any Justin Fields injuries, but if he continues to struggle and Tyson takes over, I think it could be a great opportunity to prove that a team should have drafted him at the very least. Giants taking on the 49ers tonight, Colin. Yeah, maybe a team that should have drafted him, the Giants, because <laughs> they shouldn't have they, given they, they win last week, but Daniel Jones has not looked good. Now they get to go up against the 49ers, the team that has looked the best, obviously, it feels like in the NFC, either them or Philadelphia. But Philly hasn't looked that great. Exactly. That's why I, I'm still saying 49ers might be better this year. I think they were possibly better last year. It's just they you know, ran into a terrible NFC championship where every quarterback got hurt. So um, this feels like a game that could be really bad because of how bad the Giants looked through the first six quarters of the season. The Giants are a team that played well last year, could give this 49ers team some issues. With it being early in the season, it's hard to predict where the Giants are going to go from their win against Arizona. But they finally moved the ball. They finally looked like a competitive football team in that second half. But how they struggled against the Cowboys defense and how much better it appears the 49ers may be than the Cowboys even, this could be really bad tonight. So I think yeah, we the, both the think line San Francisco San Francisco wins. at 10 and a half and if That's I was a big betting line. on the game, I'd still bet San Francisco to cover. You would? Yes. I, I'd, I'd probably be avoid it because it's Thursday night. At home, though, I, I still feel like they're going to be able to just have Purdy go out there, get it to guys like McCaffrey, like Samuel, Kittle, if he can improve. Last week wasn't the best week for him, but he's still one of the best tight ends in the league. And I think, it, I agree, it could be as ugly as week one when Dallas manhandled the Giants. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like... Giants maybe being... score this time. 
but I still think it's going to be ugly. I think of it being a Thursday night game, that 10.5 is a big line. I probably wouldn't bet on the game because it's Thursday, and I just right. feel like Thursday games are just always bad, and you never know really what's going to happen. And it could be just an absolutely domination from San Francisco from start to finish. I wouldn't be shocked. But I think with it being a Thursday night, we probably get a closer game than it would have been if it was a Sunday game. My dad says go Giants, but well, sorry, Dad. Um, your team does not stand any chance tonight. Well, maybe they will. If I'm wrong, I'll hear about <laughs> it for sure. On the other side of this break, we're going to talk college football. Got some Alabama news. They struggled over the weekend against USF. There's some concerns now. They're coming off of a loss two weeks ago and to Texas. And is Alabama finished? Is the dynasty over? We'll talk about it on the other side of this break. Also, Nick Saban chimes in on the biggest story in college football right now, Deion Sanders. This segment brought to you by Orsini's Home Store, not just in not just an appliance store anymore cabinets and design bedding outdoor living family owned and operated visit them at 360 Ack Wilson Way in Martinsburg or online at orsinis.com you're tuned into the sports mix on talk radio WRNR 106.5 FM AM 740 and TV 10 we welcome you back to the sports mix on this Thursday. Again, high school volleyball tonight in the Eastern Panhandle. We'll have Hengesville traveling to Jefferson, but as we head into this segment of the show, Colin, we start with the simple question. Is the dynasty done at the University of Alabama? And I'm going to give you a simple answer. No. No. Okay. That's all you got? As long as Nick Saban is there as the head coach of Alabama, the dynasty is not done. Even with them falling out of the top ten? Even with them falling out of the top ten. Even with them barely beating USF? Even with them barely beating USF. A win is still a win. Even if they don't win it all this year, the dynasty is not done. You can never count out Alabama as long as Nick Saban is the head coach. I mean, that's fair. We did start to, I feel like talking about this maybe last year or two years ago, where this team had some struggles. I don't know if the dynasty is done in terms of will they ever be a championship caliber team again. That seems like a bold prediction. I would say, though, it does seem like college football is opening up a little bit more at least behind Alabama, and the dominant run of every year you pencil them in as a playoff or national champion or national championship team might be done in terms of the four-team playoff. Now we're going to a 12-team. It's hard to imagine Alabama isn't going to be a top 12 team at the end of the season come you know the future. Um, but this is still a four-team playoff this year. It does seem like Georgia has risen but the argument all season for georgia is going to be are they good because they don't really play anybody this year right their schedule is very very weak it seems compared to what you even have for alabama yeah i mean they played texas and but i i don't think 
that their dynasty is done in terms of will they never be a contender a contender for a national championship again but i do think it's fair to say that they're not where they once were yeah no i i will agree with that they are not the team that you look at now because of how good georgia has been over the last few years and say alabama's in the playoff pencil it in now i think the issue this season is they don't have a quarterback which to me is very strange how does alabama not have a quarterback how can they not get the best quarterbacks in the country to come there with nil too they're not going out in the transfer portal and and landing these games yeah that's a fair point that you bring up and i am not in disagreement with you the fact that alabama does not have a solid qb1 is very very surprising because you need that at this day and age you need a guy that can control the offense part of the problem may be the transfer portal because how many guys were going to be willing to sit behind bryce young the last few years you know, in the past, they had Jalen Hurts and Tua on the same team. Yeah. And those are two of the top NFL quarterbacks now. They they don't, can't, they don't get that anymore. Now, they used to be able to win without a great quarterback. I mean, Greg McElroy led this team to a national championship. A.J. McCarron. Those aren't necessarily great quarterbacks. But the times have changed. College football now is all about the quarterback. Yes. And if you don't have a great one, which Alabama does not, it's tough to win. I couldn't even tell you the name of their quarterback right now. It's Melrell. Don't know his first name. Exactly. <laughs> that That's adding to the point, though. I mean. Heading into the season, you didn't know his name at all. Like, nobody probably knew who their starter was going to be because they had a competition. Their backup is uh, Buckner from, he transferred from Notre Dame. Uh, wasn't very good at Notre Dame. Marshall beat him. So... <laughs> Um, I don't see this team this year being a championship contender. Could they get back to where they once were in a few years? Yeah. I don't think you can really say their dynasty is completely done until they have a mediocre season. As long as this team's winning 10 games, we're talking about them in the preseason. We're talking about them toward the end of the season but this year's team, I still think, probably gets to 9-10 wins. If they have 9 wins, though, it will feel like a shift, right? But if they're still yeah. a 10-11 win team, even if they're not in the playoff, it still feels like they're there, at least. I mean, you could still see them in the SEC championship this year. You could, but, I mean, the way they looked last week, I'm not The way they looked last week, yeah, I'm not certain, but... Does Ole Miss go in there and get a win? Or is it at home? I'm not certain which. It's at Alabama. Okay, that's why I thought. This week against Ole Miss. And does, Ol- does Lane Kiffin go in there and get that win? I don't think so. I could see it. I, I wouldn't. It's tough to predict it. I, I'm gonna, You know what? Why not? I'll say Ole Miss goes in there and gets the win this week. I say Alabama wins. Which would then put them on to probably. I mean, the team. They're not going to play in the SEC championship well, no, they could. They could because their only losses to Texas. Yeah, I was thinking isn't in the SEC yet. So. Right, they're in the West. Georgia's if you win West. out, yeah, you win out, beat LSU, beat Ole Miss, beat Auburn, you're in that SEC championship game. 
against Georgia with a college football playoff spot on the line. So it's still possible. Yeah, they lost to Texas. Texas looks really good this year. They might be a playoff team coming out of the Big 12 because I don't see anybody in the Big 12 beating them this year. South Florida, yeah, that was bad if you're Alabama. You only scored 17. You still defensively held them to three. I don't know. I still am in on Alabama until Nick Saban's out. Okay. Which may be a very long time still. Yeah, I mean, I've always said he needs to come back home, you know. <laughs> come coach the Mountaineers. like I the sound of that. don't think that will happen. But maybe. It won't. Maybe when he's like 85 years old and has nothing better to do. Retire? No. That'd be better. He's to never going to retire. He does seem like a guy that won't retire. But moving so. on, well, kind of still saying. Maybe he'll help in the athletic department and get Deion Sanders to go coach at WVU because Saban says Deion <laughs> is a good coach. He does say that, yeah. And that's not really surprising to me because – but it is the only reason why I threw it in here was because everybody's just been taking shots at Dion, And it's like the guy – or at least within the college football coaching. Yeah, it seems like realm. every opponent, everybody in the Pac-12 has taken shots. And it's like – are you sure you want to do that? I mean, I don't think that Colorado is winning the Pac-12. Their schedule is brutal. The Pac-12, ironically, even though it's folding in the final year, is the best <laughs> conference in college football this season. Yeah, or it might be. I, I, I'd agree with that. I mean, it could be. You it got looks Oregon. Like, you got USC. You got Colorado. You Who got, am I missing? Washington. Uh, Washington's really good. So it's it's the most entertaining, at least. So that's interesting. But I just feel like Saban saying that I think confirms what a lot of us already kind of thought and knew because Nick Saban obviously is the best coach in college football and has been maybe even the greatest coach of all time in college football. So for him to say, you know, Dion's a good coach, I think just, you know, kind of confirms what we already thought we knew. I mean, what Dion has done at Colorado this season so far has already been Super entertaining, super exciting. But I don't think they're going to win the Pac-12. I just feel like overall their team isn't quite there, especially with how they barely beat Colorado State, who isn't very good, I don't think. so. But I think they'll be entertaining. Shador Sanders is good enough to keep them in games. Um, He's one of the best quarterbacks in the country. So you have him taking the snaps. You have Dion as your head coach. They're kind of like bringing college football back in some ways because it did get very repetitive with the Alabama-Clemson thing and now with the, uh, I guess, the realignment has, I feel like, turned a lot of people off. But then, like, people are randomly caring about Colorado, Colorado State, like, game days there for that game. Dion is, of course, the coach, and The Rock is on the sidelines, like, it's an interesting situation it is. that Colorado is the number one most anticipated team to watch each and every week. Which you look at last year, they, they were terrible. They've been terrible for like team. 20 years. Since they joined the Pac 12, they've done nothing. Yeah. Which is why they're leaving. <laughs> <laughs> like everybody else. 
So that'll do it for this segment as we got to get to our final segment, get to our two-minute commercial break as well as this segment brought to you by Hagerstown Ford Revolutionizing Car Buying Experience. Buy your next vehicle online. They'll deliver it to you. If you don't like it, they'll take it back. Go online at HagerstownFord.com. When we come back for our final segment, talk a little MLB baseball as things are winding down in the regular season. Now, back to the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR 106.5 FM, AM 740, and TV 10. We're back for the final segment of today's edition of the Sports Mix. Nick Versley and Kyle McLaughlin here on the show. Orioles lose last night to the Houston Astros. The Nationals get a win Yesterday afternoon, Colin, you and Dylan have secured your tickets for the ALDS. You didn't invite me, which is cool, but what if the Orioles are a wild card team and they lose? I have tickets to that, too. I don't know if Dylan does. <laughs> I just thought of that. Yeah, I, I got season tickets, so got our postseason tickets secured, so... This segment, quickly, though, brought to you by the Marius Group of Ameriprise Financial Advisors, John Everson and Phil McCoy. Call them at 304-263-4343 or stop by 1270 Winchester Avenue right here in Martinsburg, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, that's where we're at. Good to know. But, um, yeah, it's not like you guys are going together. That would be even ruder if you didn't That'd be cool. Me. But, yeah, it'd be rude of us to not invite you. But, hey, I mean, I guess the invite's open. Just got to get your tickets. <laughs> it's not like we purchased them together. We yeah. purchased them separate, but it's to the same game in the series i'll probably just i'll try to go to a game if there is a playoff game it's fun did you ever get to go in the i did not two years i should have but i just didn't weren't just wild card games yeah so i haven't experienced a playoff game yet at camden yard so it's something that i should probably do it's fun yeah playoff environments is different in general for any sport but typically being a baseball fan at camden I, i feel like it's just more special Typically, just for like football, I prefer to go to playoff games because I don't feel like I miss the whole Sunday of football. Like I don't know, okay. there's just something yeah. no, special I, I about that. like I get that being at home and just watching every game. I don't know, but I, I do, way. I do like regular season as well. I'll go, but I've been to more playoff games than regular season games. I've not been to a football playoff game. Well, that's because you're a Commanders fan. They don't Ouch. Get there very much. You're not wrong, but still. Mm. That one hurt. Yeah, well, I mean, you haven't had that I many didn't opportunities. I did to set you up for that one. This is why you weren't invited. <laughs> kidding, kidding. Fair enough, fair enough. But back to talking about the actual last game. night yeah. in the two games. Baltimore did lose in the afternoon via walk-off for Houston as they took the 2-1 win, so... The Orioles head to Cleveland now for a four-game road series against the Indians. Two and a half Guardians, games up. Colin. Guardians, my apologies. I Cleveland. <laughs> it's Cleveland. Who cares? They're two and a half games up on Tampa Bay. So with the remaining schedules for both teams, you kind of feel like the Orioles most likely will hang on, win the division. Yeah, I mean, Cleveland's not bad team they're not bad but they're they're not a good team either 
So you feel like they can at least split. Probably should take three out of four. They're but, on a three-game losing streak, the yeah. Guardians. The Guardians will probably be playing some younger players, I would imagine, since they're if they're not quite yet eliminated, they're pretty much eliminated from postseason. So, yeah, I think the Orioles do come away with the division. Ultimately, they've held on for this long. It would take a pretty big collapse, I feel like, for the let it slip away to Tampa, but you got to take care of business. And so far, this team's continued to play well and they haven't been swept. So as long as they keep avoiding those, I feel like they'll be fine. The Nationals yesterday won and won big in the final game against the White Sox, 13-3. to And now, for the next few days, we're not only the Oriole fans, we'll be National fans too because they're playing the Braves, and if they can beat the Braves and the Orioles start winning, Orioles will be the best team in baseball. There are only two games behind them for that spot. Yeah, but that's a tough challenge for the Nationals. So tune in to TV 10 tonight as it's Hedgesville and Jefferson Volleyball at 6 p.m. We'll be live at 5.50 for pregame. But for Nick Verzellini, I'm Colin McLaughlin signing off.